When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on the head coach and general manager of the new USHL Clark Cup champions, Youngstown Phantoms. We have Ryan Ward, head coach, and Jason Deskins, co-GM, and really, really, really awesome conversation that we had with these two guys going through their journey throughout the season, how they won their USHL Clark Cup championship just about a week or so ago against the Fargo Force. Uh, great to get some of the inside details, what they look for, how they did it, everything like that before we do get over to those two beauties. Let's bring on another beauty, Jeffrey Lavecchio. Vex, what's going on today, brother? Man, I'm on fire right now, dude. I can't lie. I uh, The reason, guys, I, I couldn't make it for this podcast, uh, unfortunately, um, I, I'm a first form athlete. Uh, uh, so first form is a supplement company that I'm with. They're a St. Louis based company. They're w- probably the fastest growing company in that space. And they're already massive. And their whole message and everything that they do is is actually amazing on top of having great products. And w- one of their um, newer athletes. His name's Jack Smiley. Some of you listeners might remember hearing about him on ESPN about a year and a half ago. He had a stroke while playing uh, Division Three hockey while he was on the ice. Uh, he lost complete function of his whole right side of his body. He had to relearn how to do literally everything. Um, and he's one of the most inspirational MFers I have ever met. I got to train him and uh, another inspirational human, my other buddy who was a hockey player who almost died when he was younger by like immolating, like his body started, like his skin just started burning itself, like third degree burns all over his entire body. And he all, literally almost died. Um, and so they're both with first form as well. So it was really cool to, to hang out with some hockey guys yesterday, take them through a workout. They took us out to an awesome steak dinner where I got to really dive into you know, what these two guys have been through. So uh, that's why you won't hear my lovely voice on the podcast tonight because I was out doing that, but um, it, it was well worth it. I'm sorry I missed it, but it was very, very cool connecting with these two two young guys who, who love the game of hockey and are, are both still trying to pursue their their dreams in hockey. Jack Smiley, uh, uh, is, his goal is to, you know, come back and play college hockey at some point. And uh, it's cool trying to help him get back to that. So, it, yeah, it was cool, man. That's really awesome. And just got to be inspiring. Dude, and and just, perspective. Perspective. <laughs> and you know what's crazy is all the two of them talked about is perspective. Like, I'm getting perspective from listening to this 
massive six. He smiles is like six, four, two thirty. He's a killer. I guess like he was top five in the NAHL, uh, in PIMS his last year. Like he's just a murderer was playing at Endicott, Endicott college D three with one of my guys. That's how I originally started talking to him. And, uh, and, and, you know, he's talking about perspective and like how now he like nothing will ever hurt him. He's bit like nothing will ever be harder than the things he's gone through. And just just really cool, r- really cool to, to hear that stuff and, and that they have the perspective from that, which then is giving me perspective on their perspective. And then you guys are getting the perspective on my perspective <laughs> of his perspective. So it's pretty cool. That is really cool. I'm going to pick something up. I just kind of like posted this on Instagram just a little bit ago and a lot actually this had to do with um well there was a couple different things um one was did you see the speech by one of the kids that um played at notre dame lacrosse they just won the national championship yeah i did somebody sent it to me today okay so i just saw that for the first time tonight and i reposted it on my instagram and um it was unbelievable for those that don't know notre dame just won the national championship in lacrosse and they had a player who had like really hurt his hamstring and he wasn't sure if he could play. And he got a text from somebody like the night before basically being like, it's Memorial day. And, uh, you know, people sacrifice a lot more, um, you know, than your little hurt hamstring. <laughs> so you can go and play like a buddy. Of, I don't know if it was a buddy of his or something like that. And he was like, yeah, of course. And just, and so he went out and played a great game and obviously the team won. And I don't know, just like it, you talk about perspective. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. some perspective for you. Immediate. You know, my, yeah, exactly. And then the other one, and this kind of has to do with um, my buddy that passed away, um, you know, three, four weeks ago, I, I saw this post and what the guy says is, if you experience loss, it means you've experienced love, Ooh, you know, deep. and and so it, it really does like hit deep, especially for me right now, having lost Ray. Um, who, for those that don't know, was a, a teammate, classmate, line mate, best friend, stood up at my wedding guy who who passed away, I, I want to say about a month ago now, um, unexpectedly. And it, it just, it means so much. I mean, if you experience loss, which is what we did with Ray and how, how hard it hurts and, and how bad we feel because of it, 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 you can turn that and say, actually, you know what? That's a, because it hurts so much, like it means that there was love in there and yeah. and for all the time that we had with him like that's how special of a time it was and that's why it hurts man and so it's just you can always flip stuff you can always find a positive in things even in the toughest of situations and and i think that's kind of like what you're talking about right now with with smiley just even his name is smiley which is hilarious i know and he's <laughs> dude, yes yes um and so, I mean, like, you know, this, this guy was pretty close to, to, you know, not being around and has doing the most with it and has come with a perspective that he's teaching other people right now through, I don't know what your sixth degree of separation that you just said, he in perspective you and now you're perspectiving <laughs> me and everybody else, whatever. Um, but just like, you know, there's, there's going to be tough things that happen, but if you choose to see it in the right way and, and choose to act on it, um, you can always get out of those situations and in, in the better frame of life. hundred percent. So, uh, yeah, that took a turn. <laughs> yeah. We, we got into, it. we weren't expecting to get into that this early here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, actually there's a lot of perspective on this episode too, that we just did. And it was great to like get inside the, the mind of, of Wardle head coach who, 
um, led the team and, and obviously with Jason who put the team together and was the GM, the architect of it all. And it was really cool to hear them both really reflect on the season uh, a, a week or so after they won and talk about, and it's, it's funny and, and you'll hear it for everybody that's listening when we get to it, but they started off the year really bad. Like their first couple months were really tough and they were, I don't know if they were in last place, but if they weren't, they were close to it. Uh, and it's really cool to hear them talk about with a young team, how they kept with the process um, and, and just never wavered on their belief of what they were doing and, and just formed a, a bond with their team that ultimately led them to, to winning a championship. And and for those who haven't played in the USHL or potentially major junior um, North American league, you know, some of these higher level junior leagues, it's really hard to win. It's so unbelievably hard to win those leagues. It's such a grind, 60 game seasons. You're taking buses everywhere, you know, cities that aren't necessarily the most glorious cities in the world, fan bases that are are at, at your throats when you're there. Like it's, it's an unbelievable experience playing in these junior leagues and to win in them is so extremely difficult. I think what Warda was saying was their bus trip from Youngstown to Fargo, I think was like 22 hours or something like that. Yeah. It's like the longest trip in the USHL, but still like, you know, getting, getting on the bus after 22 hours and it's it's a little crazy, but um, just, just really, really cool to hear. I'm, I'm a student of winning. I love talking to people and talking to teams who win. Why? What was it about this group? What was it about the leadership? What was it about the tap? Whatever it is that helped them to win. And so it's it's fun to be able to ask people questions about the why. And uh, I think we got a lot of awesome answers and, and a lot of awesome perspective from these guys on this episode. So uh, we're we're bummed to have missed you. You're your Musk. I miss your Musk. <laughs> but I'm excited to listen to it. And it's really cool that we got, I mean, guys, like, not everybody gets to have on the the USHL champs a week after they win. I mean that's that's pretty cool and and really powerful. And I'm really excited to to tune in and listen to this one on on Monday. Also, uh, uh, see if there's stuff I can obviously pick up from one of the best junior leagues, if not the best junior league in the world. And hearing from the coach and GM, just what what happened? Why were you guys so good? And uh, I have a guy who's on their team actually. Cornell next year, Mr. Tyler go. Catalano. There you go. Um, and I said to him, because he's been on Youngstown for two two years now. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like, what was the difference? What how did you guys go from like so bad last year and two years ago or whatever to to winning it all? And so we talked about like all these different things. And um, it was cool to hear what he said too. So I'm excited to kind of compare uh uh what you guys talk about on the podcast with what a player saw was the difference between losing season and and winning it all that's cool yeah Yeah. we'll have to connect after the pod comes out yeah definitely boom um okay well good well we actually and before uh we get over to this i do want to say so ryan ward their head coach him and i worked together last year in chicago uh for windy city and so if you haven't listened to any of our Windy City hockey roundtable conversations, it's typically with myself, Wardo, Rob Rassi, who's with me at Michigan right now, um, and and a couple of other guys, Robbie Murden, who's an assistant GM in Youngstown now, um, a couple other people like Mike Monty, who's with Omaha. Um, they were phenomenal hockey conversations. They were very hockey-specific, hockey-centric. And so if you want 
to, you know, obviously it's summer. And if you want to get to your hockey nerdiness, <laughs> if that's what you want to call it, uh, we dive deep into some awesome topics. I think the first one we did was actually tracking. And we talked oh, cool. for like an hour just on tracking. We talked wow. about ozone. We talked about just like anything and everything hockey. So go back. It would have been last year at some point. Uh, but I think each episode starts with Windy City Hockey Roundtable or something to that effect. Um, go back and listen to those because those were those were really good too. Um, and Wardo's a really, really smart hockey guy. So, um, yeah. But before we do get over to these guys, we have some people to thank. First of all, we want to thank our title sponsor, Gel Sticks. Go to gelsticks.com, G-E-L-S-T-X.com. It's summertime. Get outside. Shoot some pucks against your garage. There's no better. Time to do Play it. some street hockey. Play some street hockey. Use some gel sticks as you're doing it. Uh, so they have weighted training sticks, weighted training golf clubs, weighted training lacrosse sticks if you're playing lacrosse right now. And uh, go to GLSDX.com. Use the coupon code THINKTAKEONEWORD and you will get a discount on these amazing sticks. And uh, just an amazing company. Great people that work for uh, the company and the founder of the company, John Lounsbury. Great dude. Great hockey guy as well. Also been on the podcast. He's working with Adam Oates and the Oates Group right now in making players better as well. So uh, go to gel6.com today. Love it. Want to thank uh, Train Heroic. That's the app where I house all of my online training programs. I just signed up another team today, uh, Strong Island U18 uh, uh, midget team. So I'm um, really excited to start with them. I got our initial Zoom call on Sunday night and uh, start with them for the rest of the offseason on Monday. Teams out there, organizations, I've, I've, you know, onboarded four organizations in the last month with hundreds of players. I can help your players train from home or in a gym, both in the off season and during the season. All right. That can be your competitive edge for hilariously cheap videos of everything. Just want to say thank you to train heroic. They've allowed me to help so many more hockey players all across the world with the way that I train guys. Also want to thank Cured Nutrition, Joseph and the people over there. Love them. Guys, CBD is something that is part of my daily routine to keep me functioning at my best. I do a lot of things. I talk to a lot of people every day. I've got to remember a lot of things. I'm a rememberer now, if you will. And CBD is helping me be a rememberer. <laughs> so if you're looking, if you're looking, that's not the best ad. Jeff Lavecchio, rememberer, rememberer. of things. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to introduce you as now. Perfect. Need it. Uh, in all seriousness, guys, I, I use CBD uh, two times a day. Absolutely love it. Helps me function at my, at my peak levels at all times. So if you're looking for CBD or you have questions about it, reach out to me or head to curednutrition.com. Use my discount code GMBM. Unreal, man. And thank you to icehockeysystems.com, the best website out there for all your coaching education needs. Uh, now is a great time to get settled up with um, ice hockey systems because obviously the season is coming up here in a couple months and it's a great way to kind of get to know it, navigate it, get introduced to it. You can also get this for every single coach in your organization uh, by going to the associations tab. We have partnered with ice hockey systems to put that out there, roll that out there. What you get, you get thousands of drills, you get whiteboard explanations from some pretty amazing hockey minds, uh, you get presentations on everything from skill acquisition and development to team building and culture, you also get access to the Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide, and it's just a phenomenal resource for any coach, any player, any parent out there, so head on over to icehockeysystems.com. Go to the associations tab, get this for every coach and parent in your organization. Huge value add, unbelievable company. So incredibly proud to be 
um, partnered with them. Uh, go there today. And finally, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody out there who continues to listen to our podcast. If you can, please help us to spread the word. We are doing this to make a positive impact on the hockey world. And if you think we are making a positive impact on the hockey world, please help us to share that message by getting us out to your parent groups, your teams, your organizations, whatever it may be. Um, we just want to make the hockey world a better place. So uh, if you can share us or if you can leave us ratings, reviews on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast today, uh, goes a long, long way for us in, in helping the hockey world be a little bit of a better place. And I think you will be a better place after hearing these two guys, Ryan Ward and Jason Deskins, the head coach and general manager of the Youngstown Phantoms, talk about their championship season in the USHL this year. So without further ado, here we go with Ryan Ward and Jason Deskins. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are so excited to have, they're both back on the podcast for Wardo. I don't know how many times it's been for you, but it's been quite a few. And and uh, Desi, we've had you on once before. So Ryan Ward and Jason Deskins, boys off a USHL Clark Cup championship in Youngstown. Got to be feeling pretty good. Desi is the GM. How are you feeling right now? I feel great. I, I told Wardo earlier today, I got to get this damn cup out of the house. So it's, it's his turn now. <laughs> it's been an interesting week. Yeah, I'm sure the cup has seen better days, maybe. <laughs> uh, Wardo, how about you flying high, man? Yeah, no, it's been good. It's uh, It's been uh, kind of set in this week when I, I got back home to Chicago. And um, yeah, it's been, I think, the bottom of that cup seen better days, but we've, we've done a bang up job repairing it. So. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Our big 10 championship pro, if you've seen better days too, I think it might be oh, in the yeah. shop right now, um, <laughs> you know, needing some repair, but uh, that's good stuff guys. Well, I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you guys, obviously knowing you both and what you're about and, and getting the chance to really dive into what makes a championship team. And um, you know, you guys had uh a crazy year um, from where it started to, to where it ended. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to just kind of hearing the brains behind the operation, how you built the team, how you got the team together, how you played identity. Wardo, I know you're huge on identity. And and so um just really, really looking forward to diving in. And, and I guess the first question I'll, I'll, I'll go to you first, Desi, as the person that was in charge of the roster, you know, you took over a couple of years ago. Um, just give me your overall philosophy of how you wanted to build a team that you thought can win a championship in the USHL, certain types of players, certain things that you looked for, or how you went about your process of, of evaluating and, and getting your information. Um, sure. It's obviously a broad question, but if you can just, uh, just enlighten us a little bit about your thoughts of how you wanted to build it, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, um, tons of credit to my counterpart and colleague, Ryan Krasecki. Obviously, done a lot of this together. Um, it's been great having him around. But, I mean, when we took over two years ago, the program was in a, um, a unique spot. I mean, I think we had won 12 games the season before and had 31 points. And 
finished in last place in the Eastern Conference. And um, kind of looking at the roster day one of what we inherited, we knew that it was going to be pretty much a 180-degree shift in terms of philosophy and style and type of player that we wanted to go after. Um, you know, no disrespect to the previous regime. I think they were, you know, a little bit more focused on size and um, heaviness, which, you know, we love heaviness, but we also love skill and speed and, and hockey IQ. Um, so I think for us, we wanted to make sure, first and foremost, we changed the type of, of player in terms of physical skill sets that they had. We wanted to be a faster team. We definitely wanted to be a more skilled team. We wanted to be a smarter team. Um, and we wanted to be a team that was still heavy enough, uh, even though we might not have all the biggest players, if that makes any sense. And, um, you know, that combined with finding kids that are just winners and kids that are authentic, I guess, authentically themselves, um, was really important to us. We wanted to make sure that we found kids that loved hockey, uh, that they woke up every morning, and that's all they could think about is how they could get better. Um, and we we did our best in year one to really reshape our roster with kids like that. You know, we found a lot of kids that were two-year players in the USHL where we knew that we were going to acquire them, but we were going to have them for not only the, the final, you know, several months of their first year in the USHL, but we were also going to get those kids back in their second year in the USHL. And uh, we were really lucky with kids like Chase Patilla and Andrew Centrella, um, you know, that were those types of kids that came from different programs that we just thought were going to pop in year two. Um, so that was kind of the, the thought process behind it. And, you know, again, there's uh, probably a hundred different parts to it, but in, in a nutshell, that's kind of what we were focused on. I love it, man. I love it. Well, talk a little bit more about, you You said that like you want to find kids that are authentic. What What does that mean? And how do you go about finding those kinds of kids? Because we live in a, you know, an era where that's not easy. <laughs> yeah. This era of social media where everybody's trying to compare themselves to others and, and, things yeah. like that. Like, how do you go about your process of like trying to find that information out? Is it more getting front facing with kids? Is it more information gathering from their coaches, finding out about, out about their families? Yeah. I'm sure it may be all of the above, but um, you know, that's a word that we talk about on the podcast all the time, authentic and being yourself. Yeah. And yeah. so how, how do you go about finding those types of kids for your program? Yeah. I mean, we were Wardo, myself, Koseki, we were all very fortunate because we coached at these levels, right? And we've had pretty high-end teams at these birth years. So we have a general comfort level with the type of player that's out there in each individual or specific birth year. So, you know, we had probably some more insight on kids than maybe other programs did just because we recruited those players or we coached those players or we knew those players through other players, um, you know, through our time, you know, traveling and scouting and, and obviously building teams. So we were very fortunate in that regard. We, we obviously lean on our, our, you know, advisors that work with these kids on a day-to-day -day basis, um, you know, guys that we really trust in the industry and guys that we have relationships with where we know that when they recommend players that, that we're getting exactly what we're being told, right? So I think that's really important uh, as well. And then I think on our end, you know, the one thing we really strive to do or to be, I should say, is authentic. And we want people to be comfortable in their own skin. We want our... Uh, people be heard, you know, we want to have a collective and collaborative uh, group effort with everything that we try to do. And that's everything from our scouting staff to our ownership, who has been absolutely beyond phenomenal to us in terms of how they treat us and how they treat our players. Uh, and then especially with our players, because they're young kids. And I think too many times um, we want to judge and come to conclusions on unfinished products. And in the end, we're kind of looking at kids all differently. And we know that they're they're built different. Um, they tick different things. 
um, they're they're unique and they're their their own uh, unique selves in, in their own ways. And we have to learn how to appreciate the great things about them while also trying to mentor them and and hopefully change some of the things that are areas of improvement in the process. And I think it's a, one of the reasons we've been really successful. And um, I think the biggest biggest turning point with, with that was was hiring Wardo here because um, he just breeds that and exudes that every single day and how he lives his life. And it's been, I've learned a ton from him uh, in that regard. And I think our staff in general has learned a ton from Wardo about that as well. And our players, I think, all feel very, very comfortable within their own skin and, and in the locker room in Youngstown. And that's something that's really important to us. Yeah, that's unreal. And Wardo, like going to you now because you're there every day and you're you're leading the ship in Youngstown and having a lot of the conversations, the hard ones, the fun ones, the easy ones and and everything in between. You know, when you talk about trying to create this culture where these kids can really bring their best selves, like how do you do that? Like what are some things that you do or what are some things that you talk about with the players that really like amplify that message of like, hey, we really want you to be you? It, because I feel like that's a hard thing to do. <laughs> It, it it is no it it is tof and <clears throat> i think the one thing that for me like i didn't play i didn't play hockey at a high level right so the right off the bat like i just think like being self-deprecating in a sense of like you have to create a situation where they're gonna like nowadays you can't have these negative conversations and you can't be too hard and you can't be all these things as a coach, it's, it's a, it's a slippery slope and like a dangerous, it's just like a dangerous place to be. And and for what we tried to do, what I tried to do right away is just, just let our players know that they can trust us regardless of, of, you know, if it's Desi, if it's Ryan, if it's myself, it's, if, if it's our staff, we wanted to create an environment where they could come and talk to us and, and, you know, like, the one thing that's so apparent, um, especially after this year, and someone asked me this today, but the one thing that's very different is these kids have so much pressure on themselves, right? And I think um, you touched on earlier with social media, with draft, with, you know, keeping up with, you know, being the best. And and for us from day one, the, the one thing I wanted to do is let them know that, yeah, I was going to be probably really hard on them. And there was going to be a lot of structure and routine and our work days were going to look a lot different than maybe they were used to, but we wanted them to know that we had their best interest in mind. Right. And I think that all sounds probably pretty cliche, but at the end of the day, like when you're sitting with guys and, and you just have to make them realize that you care more about them than their success than you do your own, I guess. And I think for me, that's like, I've always ever wanted to, the only thing I've ever wanted to do is be a head coach in junior hockey. It's the only thing I've ever wanted to do since I was 13 years old. And, and I, I think to be there and, and, and let them know that, listen, like we have your back. We want you. I want my kids to watch you play on hockey night in Canada. I want my kids to watch you play at the highest level possible. And, and yeah, there's going to be some hard conversations for sure. But at the end of the day, like it's to help you get to the next level, whatever that is, whether it's division one, whether it's division three, whether it's the AHL, whether it's Europe, whether it's the NHL, um, like our job. And and we wanted to make this very clear early on our entire staff was to help them be ready for whatever's next and, and do it honestly, not sugarcoating or promising things that we couldn't deliver on. We just wanted to be real and we wanted to make sure that we were as honest as we possibly could and given 
you know, just if they did what we asked of them, we would give them the opportunities that they deserve. And I think we had a young group that was very, very uh, impressionable, I guess. And that actually helped us. And I think, you know, in the USHL, people want older players and, and all this. Like, we wanted to be young. We wanted these guys to buy into what we're doing and and make sure that that they were able to retrain their brains on how to work every day, whether it's skill sessions or on ice practice lifts. Um, we wanted them to come in and for it to be fresh and, and them just to adapt to what we were doing. And I think we tried to do it as honest and upfront as possible. And yeah, there were probably more hard conversations in the beginning of the year that than they've ever had, but we just wanted them to understand that we were there for them to try to get them to the next level. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I've told this story on the podcast before, but one of the things we did here in Michigan this year at the beginning of the year is we gave the guys like communication sheets. Like what's the best way to communicate with you? What are your pet peeves? What's, you know, something the coach has done that's really helped something the coach has done that maybe hasn't yada, yada, yada. And the biggest thing we learned from that is like, don't sugarcoat it. Don't BS us, be honest with us. And I think, you know, for a lot of these kids and obviously like, you know, we're coaching a lot of really talented people, but it filters down to the youth levels, youth levels, youth levels, where like there's so much recruiting going on and these kids are being told whether it's how good they are or being sold a bill of goods. So they get them on their team. Like these kids, it's happening so much younger now. And I feel like they can just see right through that now. <laughs> they, can, oh, yeah. they can see right through it. Like, I feel like you're trying to sell me something here and I'm not liking it. <laughs> just, just be straight with me. Um, so is that kind of like what you see too? It's just like these kids, like, I, I hate when people are like, ah, oh, you know, like kids are soft, but I, I think it goes back to what you said. No, they, they feel a lot of pressure. They, yeah. they like, they're, they're worried and they're stressed and they want to be perfect. And that's the environment we've kind of created for them. But like, have you guys seen the same, like, just be honest, man, hard, but honest, they'll appreciate it. hundred percent. I mean, for us, like we, we always said, like, we're not going to. There we're, we said it from day one, like in video sessions, take the numbers off the jerseys, right? We, it could be, could be 50 clips of, of, we could pull 50 clips, but this is the one we're showing. And the guy that messed up, like if your feelings are hurt, you're not in the right spot. You know what I mean? Like, because the whole locker room is going to get better. The whole coach's office is going to get better. And, and at the end of the day, like when we did have to criticize, when we did have to be hard, the whole process works. If everyone is just okay with it right? Like if everyone's okay. And sometimes I was wrong and, and Shane with chance and I would sit and talk and I'm like, Hey, Shane, I'll own that one. That's my fault. Won't happen again. You know? And, and I think, I think when you get to that point where everyone knows that everyone has each other's backs because you're hard, because you're honest, that's when it works. And for our team, they knew, they knew that everyone came to the rank and they could be comfortable. They could be themselves. One of the things that I, I can't stand as a coach and, and Desi knows but like you can't fit square pegs into round holes. Like we had guys that everyone else told us were bad kids. And I don't get that. Like to me, a bad kid is, is a bad kid. You know, it's on the news. You know what I mean? Hockey players and players like, yeah, maybe a kid didn't work hard. Maybe a kid didn't do exactly, but like get through to the guy, get through to the guy. And, and you can't force one player's personality to be like 19 others. And I think for us, we want guys to be themselves. We want guys to, to laugh and, and, and be able to be comfortable in their own skin within the compound of our, of our organization. And to me, without that, you're, you're, it's tough to, 
create these robots who want to put their gear on in May, you know, and we luckily for us, and, and I think our leadership group uh, was a huge part of it, but luckily for us, our guys wanted to put their gear on in May. And at the end of the day, I think that's what separates you in those close games. We won three overtime games in the playoffs that if it went the other way, who knows, who knows what happens. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I think one of the things Tope that you'd mentioned, and I think Wardo said it as well, like these kids have so much stress, so much pressure, and they all want to be perfect. Like literally they want to be perfect. They show up at the rank every day to be perfect. The perfect hockey player, the, the, the one that everybody thinks is perfect and doesn't make mistakes. And one of the things that I think Wardo and our staff did an excellent job of this year is making our kids understand that you're not perfect and we're okay with you not being perfect. Um, the, the keys with, with, with us was more, how are we going to, um, how are we going to help fix those imperfections and are you willing to go out of your way above and beyond to, to make weaknesses strengths. Right. And I think that's one of the things that's really pushed the authenticity of our team because they're young, they're seven, 16, 17, 18 years old. Like, I mean, at 17 years old, I can tell you that I didn't always have the best body language, right? Like, I might have shrugged my shoulders or I might have banged my stick, right? Like in the end, they're still kids and they're impressionable, they're learning. Um, and I think one of the things that was huge with our team this year was kids understood that they weren't perfect, even though they wanted to be. Um, and I think that there was a, a genuine trust between our coaching staff and our players to understand that no matter what happened, no matter what mistake you made, we're always going to be there for you. We're always going to have your back as long as you're willing to take ownership of those mistakes and try to fix them. Um, and that's something that I think is really important for, for our organization in general. I'm sure. I'm sure. And just going back to it, like you talk about that authenticity piece right there. Like, Desi, I have to imagine that hiring Wardo, that was a big part of the criteria. Like, I don't know if I've ever yeah. met somebody who's so unbelievably <laughs> himself uh, as Wardo. Like what you see is what you're going to get, you know, and and that's awesome. And And like we're big and Vex and I talk all the time about like things are caught, not taught. So like you can say all the right things and you can have the best systems up on the board, but if you don't live it yourself as a coach, like you're not going to get through to the players in the way that you guys are talking about right now. And um, so like Wardle just like, or maybe Alice Desi for you, was that like a big part of why you hired Wardle? Because I'm sure you did your research. I know you did your research, but like, like, I, I don't know if I've ever met anybody that would run through a brick wall for people as much as Wardle. Like, the guys that he coaches just from having worked with him for a year and then coaching the team that he coached the year after he did, it's like, man, like this guy's got a gift. And so like, I don't know, like take me through the process of hiring that. Like you obviously have your criteria of what you wanted to coach to lead your team. Um, yeah. And then like, just take me through that process a little bit. We'll make Wardo a little uncomfortable here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I my video off. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I can tell you that there's been many a time this year that I wanted to put my gear back on and play for Wardle. So he's got a gift of being able to motivate people and, and inspire people and bring people together. That's for sure. And, um, that was something that was uh, a major priority for us. Like these kids are 16 to 20 years old. They're extremely impressionable. Like we talked about, um, they have all the stress of, uh, in the world on their shoulders every day, even if. It's not really true, but in their own minds, that's what they believe, right? And we wanted somebody that um, was a servant leader. We wanted somebody who cared about the program more than they cared about themselves. We wanted somebody that was going to be more than a, a one-year solution, because um, I think that's 
to me, it's really hard to build a program if you're if your leader is constantly changing. Um, so that's something that was definitely a priority for us. Um, and we wanted somebody who understood how to coach young elite hockey players. And as much as a guy coming out of the NHL or college or, you know, any minor professional hockey, um, they know a ton about the game. And obviously I think they're, they're very well qualified. Um, most of the guys that come from those um, platforms, they, they might not have that experience coaching the young elite player that's going to come through the USHL. And, you know, in order to be successful in our eyes as a coach, you have to be able to relate to those types of players. And it's not easy to do. I can tell you we had a lot of interviews for our head coaching position. Um, and there were many a time where we got off the, the, the Zoom call like this and basically just said, I don't know if that person is going to touch our players' hearts and souls. Because um, to us, that's what this is about. Like you have 16 to 20-year-old kids where they're trusting you with their career, right? I mean, they're putting their career in your hands, in the coach's hands, in the organization's hands. And we wanted to make sure that every single day they showed up to the rink, they felt like they owed something to their coach in some capacity because they know that he's going to give every single thing he has for him every single day. And um, when we went through this process, we, we, we really put a priority on those things. We wanted, obviously, a hockey mind. And, you know, it's kind of funny because – I think a lot of people thought we were crazy when we hired Wardle. Um, I, I would tell you that uh, we might be getting the last laugh, but in the end, I do think a lot of people thought we were crazy, but we didn't, I don't know. I mean, Ryan Pasecki and I are the same way. Like we've always said to prove everybody wrong. And we felt like it was important also to have somebody that had a chip on their shoulder that wanted to come in and, and prove to people what he was about. And, uh, I can tell you that we found all those things, obviously, in, in Wardo and uh, love him like a brother. He's, he's the best. But uh, as a coach, uh, he's dynamite. He's as good as they come. You uncomfortable enough? You good? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, well, that was Wardo, all good stuff. You better be comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, yeah, well, uh, like Desi's talking about coaching these elite young athletes and, and you're getting them as a head coach at a time in their lives where they're very, 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 it's just a tough time. <laughs> like yeah, we've, yeah. we've all been there. We've been 16 through 20 and, and, uh, it's just a time of so much change physically, emotionally, mentally, and all of that. Um, how do you go about kind of, you know, relating with these players with all of that stuff going on? Like there's so many changes um, there's so much going on on top of all of the added stuff that's going on outside of, you know, like there's so many people telling them who they need to be and what type of player they need to be and all this kind of stuff. So like, you know, as you're going to the rink every day and, and, and I know you're a relational type coach, like what, what are some things that you're thinking about in terms of the conversations that you're going to have with these players? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think for me, like, you have to be yourself and you have to be honest. And that's like, like w with them, I, I, you know, I, I go back, I'm, I'm sitting here right now going back through my video sessions every day. And I think the one thing is like everyone on the outside, you know, tells these guys what they want to hear that benefits not only the player, but them the most, Yeah, you know, and, and not even agents or, anything like that, but it's like, okay, like what is the cookie cutter way to go through life right now to make it to the next level? And I don't know, like, I feel like the second that you, you, you're just real with them and, 
you know, you just got to keep doing it and you got to be yourself. Like to me, when we play Friday night and we have a video session at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning and I look like I just rolled out of bed, uh, it's because I did because you're up till four in the morning watching video and they know like there's no hiding the group that you're with. They know everything about you, right? They know that your players, your staff, like the traveling party of, of 25 people, they just they know everything about you. And and whether you come down for breakfast and you're ready, your energy, like everything has to be on point and you've got to just bring it for, for them every single day. And I just think being yourself and, and going through those day-to-day moments and not relenting. Like that was my biggest thing is like our routine from day one when it's fresh has to be our routine in February when it's the absolute dog days and you have back-to-back games in Muskegon and you're walking to the rink and the wind is minus 35 and it's snowing and like it's got to be the same. You've got to bring the same thing every single day. And and at the end of the day, like I think that you don't hold your players accountable differently, but you treat them differently based on what they're going through in their life. Right. So, you know, a high end player, that's it's his draft year that has all this pressure on him versus a guy that might be a reentry guy that's trying to find his footing and, and get a scholarship. Like, those two things are totally different off the ice and relating to those two things are totally different off of the ice. But when you're in the arena and you're trying to coach these guys, you hold them accountable the same way you expect the same things from them as far as an identity standpoint and their work ethic and commitment to the team. But then when it's away from the rink and it's one-on-one, you try to understand their pressures and what they're going through in a different way. Right. And you try to do your best to relate to them. I've been fortunate enough to work with probably everyone on the Eastern seaboard or whatever, you know, like I've had so many jobs. It's you gain little storytelling from Greg Cronin or inspiration from Mike Sullivan or, you know, tactics from Scott Gordon and whatever it may be. Right. Like you, you, you go through and you try to just have different experiences that you bank on as a coach to say, I know when this didn't work. I know when this worked and, and you try to relate to people like that off of the ice. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that was probably tested for you guys, especially early. Oh, yeah. um, you know, the year did not start off great for you guys from a win loss perspective. <clears throat> and so take me through a little bit of that. I'd love to hear from both of you guys, because, you know, as the GM Desi, like, you know, think you put this team together and, and all of a sudden you're not winning and you're like, man, do we need to get new players in here? What's going on? You know? And, uh, yeah. and like, same for you, Wardo, like, you know, you're there every day, you're going through the downs and, and you're trying to stay the course and trying to be the same because you guys believe in the message. Right. So like Desi, maybe we'll start with you here. Like what was kind of your mindset as you guys were going through that little streak there? I guess it wasn't really a little streak. It was a big, <laughs> kind of a big yeah. streak. Um, but, uh, you know, starting off, not hot and then ultimately winning it all. So what, what, what was your mindset during that kind of like start of the season when it wasn't going well? Sure. Sure. I think first and foremost, like we knew what we had, we understood our locker room. We understood the lead more from, from year one, like year one, I would say we were optimistic and we knew we were going to be better, but I think we were probably, we probably bit off a little more than we could chew thinking we were a little better than we were. Um, you know, we were close, but we weren't there. 
And I think going into this past year, like we felt that we had good enough players to compete with anybody. Um, just like any other season, you know, that there's going to be a change here or a change there. It's just part of the, part of the deal. But the one thing that we've wanted to be told for not wanted to be, I should say, we, we don't want to be a meat market. We don't want to be a factory where we just continue to trade players and add players and panic. And, you know, we don't trust our development model. We don't trust our players or our people or it's it just not what we want. Like we want to be a, a program that not only recruits, right. And scouts, right. And evaluates, right. We want to be a program that develops the right way as well. And part of that is patience. And sometimes that's the hardest thing in, in hockey is to be patient. And, you know, there were many, many times early in the year, in October and November, where we probably could have got trigger happy and said, well, this isn't working. We need to do this and we need to do that. Um, we just didn't feel that that was necessary. Um, you know, when you look at our transactions within the USHL last year, we only made one move. Um, you know, with another another team in the league, and that was picking up Andy Sabone, which turned out to be pretty darn good. Good move worked out, all right. Worked out all right. But um, you know, we we just didn't want to be that team that panicked because we were losing and we didn't trust our players, we didn't trust our coaches or our skill development guys or our strength and conditioning coach. It just wasn't going to be us, right? So we had some hard times. Um, I would tell you that it was also a balancing act between between patience, but also setting a standard that we aren't what we used to be and i think that was really important for us and we had a we had a, a, a come to jesus moment back in november after a, a weekend where we probably squandered some points that we thought were important and we should have had and i think it was something where um, everybody got back on the same page and, and found a way to make sure that we were unified and we came out of that going hey like things are going to be different we're not the same program that we used to be and you know the expectations are different now um, so it was definitely a balancing act, but it was more put on us as opposed to on our players. It wasn't about the fact that we didn't have the right group of, P of players. It was about the fact that we needed to do more as as coaches, as managers, as owners. We had to do more um, for our players. And I think that was the, the big key of getting through October and November. And, you know, obviously <laughs> we needed a settlement. Um, that was really important for us. And, and you know, the opportunity with, with uh, Omaha presented with, with Andon and um, you know, we had no, no, uh, no looking back after that. And, you know, I do think that, you know, the one thing that we would look back on right now, and I think we would all agree was we never ever quit on our, our group. Like we just, it wasn't an option. Uh, we just felt like we had to do more for that. And that was, I think, in my opinion, probably our biggest turning point. Um, that's a, that's an awesome big picture view of it. And, and, you know, getting into the, the mindset of how you guys wanted to stay the course. Wardo, you're there every day though. You know, oh, and, yeah. and coaches. This was a lot easier than mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, take, take us through just, I, I mean, I've been a part of some of those streaks and it's, oh man, it's miserable, man. Especially when you have a lot of people that want to win. Um, and, and I can't imagine what the meetings were like in the coaches rooms. I can't imagine what maybe some of the individual meetings were like with the players. Um, but what, you know, take us through your mindset. I, I, it's funny. You guys are laughing right now, it's, <laughs> but take us through your mindset as you were going through those times and, and, um, you know, ultimately yeah. obviously you got out of them. You know, it's funny. Um, and I'll be completely candid as I always am Tof, but like we were two and six to start the year. And, and I, I remember I called my wife and I go, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just not ready for this. And she's like, will you shut up? <laughs> and, uh, 
Desi doesn't know that, but I go, I go, I don't know. I, I feel like we're working. I asked so my hard. wife if you were ready for it. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, we're working so hard. Like, you know, I, I think the one thing that was awesome about this season is we always felt like we, like it was right there. You know, we always felt like our players never, they were never whining or moaning or quitting. Um, you know, and a lot of it was looking back on it. I mean, we had 18 days off after the fall classic. We were one and one coming out of the fall classic. We had 18 days off. We played Madison and got swept at home. And I think everyone was like, oh boy, um, you know, what just happened? And we came back to the rank and it was unacceptable. Like it was, un it's unacceptable. It was two games in a row. That's one thing that we're huge on. And, but the energy was great. We came back to the rank. And I was kind of like, all right, like, we're good. We're good. <clears throat> and I think the next stretch of games, we had the 18s four times, Chicago four times. Um, and we on got out of, we, yeah, on the road. And we got out of that stretch one, two and one or something like that. And we won a big game in a shootout uh, against the 18s. Uh, we lost, we, we lost a tough game with that. We came back against Chicago and then we blanked them the next night, five, nothing. So I think everyone was like, all right, we're right there. And for me, the one thing about it was there were some hard conversations in the coach's office. There were some hard conversations between the GMs, myself, our coaching staff, uh, late nights, obviously, you know how that goes, but it was never like a quit. It was never like a, it was just like, all right, we're fixing it. We're fixing it. We're fixing it. But that test that we went through early on with, we had the youngest team in the league. Like no one understands that outside the, of the NTDP, we literally had the youngest team in the league. And for me as a first year head coach, I'm coming out there. We went, what did we go? Four and oh in the preseason or four, yeah. three and one, three and one. And, you know, everyone was like, holy moly, this Youngstown team's legit. And then after that weird schedule at the, at the beginning, it was like, wait a second, like they were supposed to be way better. And for me, you know me, like I internalized that big time. And I'm like, all right, how do we, like, I have to work us out of this. I have to work us out of this. And our staff, like we've got to work us out of this. And I'll tell you the thing that changed it for our coaching staff, and this is going to sound insanely crazy, but we had that meeting in November. We lost to Madison on Friday night. It was like a, I don't know, it was at home again. And we were sitting in the coach's office and we all had a glass of red wine. And I'm like, what, what are we doing? I'm like, I'm like, guys, what are we doing? Like we have all these sheets. We have all this stuff. I'm like, tomorrow we're not doing anything. We're not, we're not putting sheets up. We're not doing video. We're literally not doing a single thing. The guys are going to come in for their 1130 meeting. We're going to send them home, have a great pregame. You better be here to win at the Cavelli center tonight. We want to eat one that night. Like, and I'm like, I'm like, see, like it's, it almost reached like a point where you, you want it so bad, right? You want it so bad. You want to help these guys so much and you want it so bad that they, they overthink it and they want to be perfect and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Like, just let them play the game. Let them play the game. No pressure. Go out and play. If we get swept again, I'll be working at Lowe's tomorrow. It doesn't matter anyway, like it, whatever. And, and you just go in there and like they played, we like won eight, one or seven, one, whatever it was. They were ripping tunes in between periods. And it was like, 
just like, guys, let's just do what we know how to do really well and listen to the guys on what they need to have success. And from that point on, we really, I asked, I remember before the game, I asked Matthew Perkins, I said, okay, you guys come up with the four keys to the game. Cause you know, I had my sheets with the keys to the game and all this nonsense. They weren't reading it. They don't care. Right. They don't care. They don't, they want to play hockey. They're 16 to 20. They don't care what I say. They want me to teach them individually and as a team, what they have to do to have success every day from a work ethic standpoint. So I asked the guys, I said, come up with four keys before you leave here. And then you're going home. They came up with four keys to the game that we posted every single game from them then on out. And that's what our four keys were. And I think it was start on time, outwork them all areas, win special teams. And there was one other one. I don't even remember, but, but that was their thing. And that's what we posted every single night. And then there was a, a time in the season where the guys were run down and Thursday Dubuque was coming into practice at our practice rink and they were uh, getting off the bus with all their equipment after making that drive. And I walk in, I'm like, our guys are tired and they looked exhausted. And I had to go speak at a black bear sports group thing in Palmyra on Tuesday. So I missed practice on Tuesday, got back for Wednesday. It was just okay. Thursday. I'm like, our guys are tired. So I canceled practice. We all went bowling on Thursday, the day before a game. Right. So we ended up sweeping the weekend and that was like the two galvanizing stretches for me that where we had success. But at the end of the day, I learned this year more than anything, you can want to be the best tactician. You can want to be the best X's and O's and technology and all this stuff. If you don't instill trust and identity and work ethic and compete and the wanting to play for each other, you'll never want to think it's impossible, literally impossible. Yeah. And like, it's funny to hear you kind of self reflect on the year like that too, because, you know, getting the chance to work with you last year, you more than probably anybody else I've ever coached with or been around talk about identity more than anybody and, and how important that is. And so it's just kind of funny to like, hear you go through your process and like, remember, remember again, how important identity was because we yeah. can, that's like, honestly, like that's the true mark of a, of a good coach. I think is you get to a point where you overcoach because you oh, care so much and you want to do a good job and you, you know, you got to be prepared. And then there always comes a point during a year when you're like, this is a game where whoever wants the puck more is probably going to win. So how can we, and whoever cares about each other more on the bench is probably going to win. Right. So like, you know, is it, was it kind of crazy just kind of going through that process, learning for the first time as a head coach in the league with guys that age and stuff, like it's just, just a great learning moment. I'm sure. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I remember, you know, I, I wanted to be this puck possession coach, this, you know, new age coach and, I knew I was going to work. We knew our staff was going to work. We knew our schedule set our guys up for success from a development standpoint. Our ownership and management gave us the players. They gave us the resources from a financial standpoint, from a providing for the players standpoint. And then you hit a point and you're like, we've got players that, you know, like, it's great. Like you want to be all these like puck possession buzzwords. And you're like, what the hell am I doing? Like, it's just not, it's not what we are. And, and, you know, you've heard me say it, you dance with the girl you brought, right? Like, like sometimes it, it is what it is and you, you just got to do it. And we, we had a great mix. In fact, I go back now and Desi will know I've been on them all the past three weeks about 
building our team for next year, but, but <laughs> you, you, you want to have a good mix, right? Like we had Shane Lachance who had an unbelievable year. The guy's six, five, he doesn't skate like the wind, but he knew his identity and was unbelievable at it. Probably going to play in the NHL. So it's like, you know, you got to look at your team, realize who they are, realize what they want, realize what they need. And you have to adapt as a coach. And I'm sure a million coaches have said it, but like really adapt. Like you have to really adapt as a coach to what these guys need you to be. And sometimes that's to be a prick, to be hard. And sometimes it's like, hey, this is what we are. Let's go be real good at it and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, it's so funny you talk about that stuff. And especially like that one day where you guys went bowling instead of practicing. I remember at the end of the year when I was back coaching at Cornell, I would always give the guys like a little survey at the end of the year. Just like, hey, what'd you like? What could we have done differently? Yada, yada, yada. And I did it with the Fords because that was basically my responsibility. And one of the things I did every year was I would just have the guys over for dinner, you know, once or twice a year, just have them over, you know, and would cook it up. We'd grill, yada, yada, yada. And the feedback at the end of the year was like, that was awesome. That was yeah. awesome. Tof. Like that was one of my favorite things was getting the chance. To go. And I'm like, of all the shit that we did, <laughs> like yeah. all the individual video, all the work we put in, you know, on the ice, <laughs> off the ice, all that kind of stuff. But it's- one of the things that they remember was how it was really cool that a coach wanted to have him over for dinner. And then it was just like it, all those little things, the, the people stuff, how important that stuff is, you know, it's crazy. It's the most important thing. And that's why Desi and I get along so well. Like, unfortunately we're in a, we're in a position right now be, that it's tough to have those personal relationships and it's tough to, there's like this strict, you know, guard up between players, coaches, and and there's good reason for a lot of it. But at the end of the day, like when, when you do have a group that you connect with, they go so much further. And Desi and I feel the same way about, about that stuff and making sure that the kids know that we have their back and, and, you know, we'll be there and, you know, little stuff like just go for it. I I remember late in the year and in Sorbonne was grumpy as hell. And he and I were like oil and water. He's like, he's an Italian kid from Connecticut. I'm an Irish guy from Boston. And we would like argue all the time, but we loved each other. You know what I mean? Like it was great, but we would, I'd be like, Bones, what are you doing? And he's like, what do you mean? What am I doing? What the hell do you mean? You know, like, like, <laughs> he, like he looks at me like, what, what do you mean? What, what am I doing? And, and I'm like, Bones, come on, we're going to dinner on Tuesday night. And he's like, what? I'm like, I'm taking you to dinner. We're going to Barry Dangles. And we went to dinner and, we just talked about like the basketball game that was on TV. It was nothing about hockey and like little stuff like that. Like it just is what it is. Like, that's how you, I feel like you have to be like, you, you go through this season from August to May. It's not short. It's not short. And you have to be able to be a human being instead of just demanding and demanding and demanding and demanding. You have to be able to talk to these guys like they're humans. Cause they are. Hundred percent, and and yeah, that's like uh, the human part of it. I call it humanizing. Like when a coach yeah. humanizes themselves, it, it means everything. And and I think a big part of that, and you mentioned it earlier. I can't remember if you Desi or Wardo, but like admitting fault, guys, yeah. I messed up in this situation. It's like, oh, okay, this guy's actually in the foxhole with us. Nice, he's, he's a yeah. human being. Or even like Green you know, Bay. You remember that, Des? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that. what's the story here? <laughs> oh yeah. On the story, Des. No, we're good. We'll save that one for another day. 
don't need focus on the negative stuff right now. Oh yeah. Oh. Hey, no, yeah. no greater platform than thousands of people that are. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm like, I know, I know. I'll call you Tuesday. <laughs> we maybe, had a maybe. where it was basically like, all right, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, well, we'll maybe we'll have to do that story uh, after we hit the record button here. You guys can tell me what's going on. Um, but I, I, I think just the humanizing part of it, just like it, it goes such a long way. Like when, when the guys know or the girls know that you're in it with them and that you're a human being that errs and isn't perfect and isn't afraid to say it. And like, I don't know, it's, it's, it goes a long way. So um, before I let you guys go, I got to ask you, um, Desi, I'll, I'll start with you. You guys are going through this playoff run. Um, magical run for sure. You guys go up to Fargo. They win the the Anderson cup, best team in the regular season, really good team. Well coached. Um, a lot of really good players. You go in, you, you take two in Fargo. You're going back uptown to Youngstown. What did you say? What was the drive? Wardo? How many hours? Oh God. It was a, yeah, anyway, it was it was 22 hours to get there and probably 20 to get back. <laughs> okay, so a lot of time, a lot of time in the bus obviously. Um, <laughs> you know, you're going into that game 3, Desi, you got a chance to win it all. Um, win it in front of the home crowd and uh I was telling Wardo earlier like I I don't know if I've seen Youngstown with that good crowd ever before and place was packed and uh, so what's kind of going through your head? before the game and then when that final buzzer ends one nothing you guys win it like what what kind of feelings what kind of emotions what kind of thoughts are you having um because this isn't you know for you as a gm and like it's it's not a one-year thing like you're putting a team together over a couple years like what just how did you feel after you won yeah i think um the the day of the game and, and Ward will probably laugh when I say this, but I sent Ward a text at like nine o'clock in the morning that morning. And uh, basically just said, Hey, no fear. Like we're, we're, we're going to go out the same way that we, 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 we went into this whole thing. Like no fear. We're going to go out. We're going to play the way we always play. We're going to be harder than them. And we're going to win. Like we, we just like one of the things we really believe in here. And, and sometimes when you're deep in the playoffs, you, you catch yourself a little bit because it's a human nature, but, like you have to manifest success, right? Like you have to believe that you're going to be successful. It's a huge part of, of being a winner. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's really hard to win if you don't believe you can, right? So I sent word of that text in the morning and, and he wrote me back and, and basically said 100%, not, wouldn't do it any other way. Um, we got to the rank that night, you know, we do our pregame and typically before the games, I, I don't like to bother the coach as much. So I kind of go in the office and I give them the, you know, hey, how are you? Good to see you guys. And when I walk out, I always look at them and say, hey, don't screw it up. Um, and then I turn around and I walk out. So that was basically <laughs> a different that. word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Word, but, but yeah, so I, I, I turn around and I say, hey, don't screw it up. And I laugh and I turn around and leave and they all get a good laugh about it. And uh, and then I don't see him for, for the rest of the game um, unless I'm, I get some bravado in the middle of an overtime game. But, um, <laughs> but other than that, I don't really see the guys, right? So I go up and I do my thing and I can tell you it was – you know, Fargo's obviously an awesome team and they had great goaltending and team defense was was something that they were were collectively strong at and they had obviously their top line was 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 very high end and with some kids who could be game breaking players and you never really get comfortable, I would say. You're always a little bit on edge, but 
you know, the one thing that I've learned being a GM is, is the only thing you can do is, is uh, your job before those big games happen and feel like you're prepared and that you've given the, the, the coaches and, and the players everything that they possibly need to have success. And I can tell you, like, I felt that way. You know, I felt very comfortable with where we were at as a team. And obviously um, getting into the third period tied wasn't exactly ideal. Thanks a lot, Wardle. But, um, you know, scoring early once we got that one, like, I don't know. I mean, you got Jacob Fowler in that. You know, you got a great decor. You got a collective, collectively really good group of forwards. And you got a fabulous coaching staff. So I think the nerves kind of went away and almost turned more into, uh, holy shit, like, we're going to win. And um, I remember there was about three minutes left. And it was crazy. Covelli faithful were going wild. And the rally towels were out. We had the wave going on. And, I mean, it was nuts, right? I looked over at Kosaki and I was like, should we go down? And he's like, I don't know. I don't think so. I think we need to stay up here like just to be safe. So we stayed up all the way till the end. And uh, obviously, we're pretty pretty darn elated when uh, when the final buzzer went off. And I mean, my family was there. His family was there. And Wardle's family was there. And I don't think a lot of people understand the, the sacrifice and uh, commitment that, you know, kids make and wives make and uh, grandparents make, all these different things that, that have to happen in order for us to live our dreams. And and, uh, and do what we do every day. So uh, it felt pretty darn to be in there and having my kids there and my wife there with me and obviously celebrating with uh, a bunch of people that we love. So it was great. Awesome, man. How about you, Wardo, as the coach going into game three, um, you know, feelings beforehand as the game's going on, tight game, one nothing. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, being able to raise the cup afterwards, how was that? Yeah, I mean it's one of those things that, you know, we talked about it. There was supreme confidence, like going into game one, we, the first period of game one, you know, we didn't focus on Fargo at all. And we didn't. And that's not to say, I know Nikki Oliver's an unbelievable coach. That organization does a great job. The only chance I thought we had to, to, to really have success was to just worry about us. And we all, all we talked about was the first 10 minutes, the first 10 minutes, the first 10 minutes, the first 10 minutes. And we came off the bench in the first period of game one. And Shane Lachance looked at me and goes, they don't know who they're playing. And I'm like, you're right. I go, but now we go. And then it was like a war and we won game one pretty handily. We knew game two and game three. It was like their pride kicked in and we knew how hard it was going to be. And we got the two games up there. Um, great story about getting Gatorade dumped on me though. I'll tell you after, but, uh, (laughs) but game three, um, I think seeing the guys, they, there was not like that whole week, you have a week in between games, right? So that week is terrible. I went through more emotions in that week than I've gone through my entire life. (laughs) The first two days I was nervous. And then I talked to a couple of my mentors and I'm like, nah, I'm good. You know? And it's like, you're so lucky to be able to lean on Mike Sullivan from the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know? And like, like just people that you've worked with. Like I was a stick boy with Sully. He's like, Holy shit, Wardo, you've come a long way from Providence, you know? And, (laughs) and, and just when you talk to these people and then you go into game three and to see the people outside of Cavelli at 5 PM, it was like, okay, we, there's no choice. Like we don't have a choice here. Like, there's no choice. We have to do this. And our guys walked into the locker room, and it was, I mean, Chase Patillo was screaming for, like, three hours before the game. It was, it was like, they were ready. 
they they were ready. They knew it, and they knew it was going to be hard. Don't get me wrong; like they knew it was going to be hard, but we were prepared. We had great meetings in the morning. Um, we had great meetings all week. We kept practice. We gave them three days off. We kept practice real light. They didn't want to be there. They're like, Wardo, just let us get up and down the ice. I'm like, yep, no problem. And it was just a good week of good feeling. And we knew like when we heard that place, we're like, guys, it was bigger than us. Like it was, it was bigger. It was just bigger. It was for the town, the city. It was just bigger than us. And, and when we, it's so funny, there was this thing that just happened organically when we were in a tight game in overtime or a tied game going to the third like they didn't really want me to talk. Like I would hear them speaking to each other and they would put nickel back on like burn and they would be like walking around the room with towels. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm not really going to talk. Like I'm just going <laughs> to let them figure it out. And three times that they did that, we scored within a minute. Serbone against CR Serbone against Fargo was more than a minute. And then Serbone, I mean, all Serbone, maybe it's just that kid, but <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was crazy like I went in and I was like hey you know what this means zero zero all we need is a goal and and it was like Nickelback came on they were jumping around and that was just like our thing and it, there was no there was no speech there was no systems it was just like guys waving towels and screaming Nickelback and it was like all their nerves went out and then to see to see them at the end of the game, Jacob Fowler and our bench, it was almost like you don't, you don't even know what that would feel like. Uh, you know, like this was my first year as a probably meaningful head coach, not to take away anything I've ever done. Cause I wouldn't change anything, but like, you don't know what it would feel like until you're sitting there and it's zero. And you're like, you gotta be kidding me. And the first person I saw I, the team and everything, you grab guys, my son Oliver ran out onto the ice and he was the first person I saw out of the scrum. And there's an unbelievable picture that someone got of me and him hugging and he was crying. And it was just like, I don't know if you could script it better than that. I just don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you could ever script it better than that. It was the best. My whole family was there. My dad, my mom, my stepdad, uh, my in-laws. I mean, it was just, it was something you'll never forget. Proud dad moment right there. Yeah. Proud dad moment. Is he still going to be a wide receiver for the Patriots coming up? He, I'm not sure if he's a Patriot. Ollie, where do you want to play wide receiver? Where do you want to play wide receiver? LSU. He's just focused on LSU. <laughs> <laughs> Probably get paid more playing at LSU than he would in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> Smart kid. Better be a slot receiver. Better be a slot receiver. <laughs> oh, no. He's, that's his only option. <laughs> Oh, I love it guys. Well, this was awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming on and, and telling the story of the Phantoms this year and congrats on, uh, on obviously winning the USHL Clark cup is uh, I played in the year in the league a long time ago, but played four freaking years in that league and know how hard it is to win. Um, it's, uh, it is a grueling, grueling time and, and you guys did such an amazing job this year and, uh, uh, really happy to have you guys on and, um, yeah, look forward to maybe a repeat next year or what do you think? Was the roster good enough? Or That's, you know, yeah, I love our roster. Desi's gonna pull a few strings, but I think uh yeah. no, we have our staff coming back. I love our team. I love the organization, it's the best organization in junior hockey. So um thanks for having us, Toph. This is a blast always with you, man.
Awesome, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks.